Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Sarah. Sarah is a third time. This is her third time being on the Inspired Women podcast. Uh, I know it's it's wild. (laughs) The first time she came on to talk about addiction. And then the second time was some really like messed up stuff that her kids had been through. And, And now we're here to talk about a whole new topic. And if you hear baby noises in the background, that's the little one. Not so little anymore, I feel like. I know. <laughs> Time's a flying. Yeah. So Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Sarah. I am the soon-to-be 38 <clears throat> mother of um, four <laughs> children. I have, uh, th- actually, I guess I could say five because uh, we've adopted my my son's friend. Um, oh, wow. So we have, yeah, we have two 19-year-old boys, a 15-year-old oh, boy, a 13-year-old boy, and then a soon-to-be eight-month-old little girl in the house. Oh, my <laughs> Never goodness. That's moment. a lot of boys. <laughs> but you know what? After you have like two, I feel like you can just throw them on and roll with it. Honestly, <laughs> it's like it's already chaos. Just keep adding to it. It's fine. <laughs> and then here we go throwing an, a, an infant baby girl in the mixture. You know, why not? It's like a giant Dr. Seuss house in here. <laughs> yeah. So but, um, I, I work in the medical field. Um, I also, uh, have a job at Starbucks and I say that because that's going to touch a little bit of base on the IVF. Um, if I'm allowed to, to go there with it, just oh, so that, yeah, yeah there can be a little bit of information. Want. Cool. <laughs> um, and, um, I am the wife to my husband. We've been married for five years, um, and live in Virginia beach, uh, and, you know, doing things day by day and having a great time with it. That is a lot of chaos. And I did ask you, we've been friends on Facebook for quite a while. And I did ask you to come on to share your IVF journey. Uh, it's more common than people think it is. And a lot Absolutely. of uh, people have been through it. And I feel like when we highlight these stories, you know, people, we can reduce the stigma. We talk, we, you know, before we hopped on, you know, recording and we yeah. talked about reducing the stigma. So Sarah, start us off. When did yeah, you absolutely. and Cameron decide that you were going to add to the chaos? <laughs> uh, we decided that we were going to add to the chaos before we even got married. Um, oh, wow. My, yeah, my husband, um, does even though, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, my husband is not the biological father of my three boys. However, he has raised them. Um, and they absolutely do refer to him as dad. Um, and he, you will never hear him say, these are my stepsons. They are his sons. Um, but you know, uh, there's always been a desire and I always wanted to have more children too. I just knew that it wasn't going to be, uh, happening with my ex-husband. Um, and I know that Cameron had always wanted to have biological children as well. So, um, that was a discussion that we had back when we were dating. And honestly, um, we never used, uh, protection to truth be told. Um, we just kind of were like, go with the flow of it. Um, we, 
we were married uh, May of 2016. We'd been together for two years. Um, and like I said, we really kind of were more or less tracking things out uh, probably a couple months before we got married. So with each one of my boys, um, I, all of them were um, happy um accidents i guess you could say i'm trying to think of the right way there were yeah there we go that's better that's better each one of them was a surprise definitely not planned definitely nothing that was even talked about it was one of those things that was like i'm not feeling so good i take a pregnancy test and then it comes up positive and it's like well here we go um so uh no no problems or issues with that or even thinking about it and um here it is, you know, I'm with my husband and, uh, we had been actively trying, uh, prior to a couple months prior to getting married. And, um, I was still in my early thirties. So, um, you know, I, I think I had read that it's okay. You know, if, if you're in your early thirties, wait a year, if nothing's happening, then, you know, maybe go seek somebody or whatever. So, um, we had been trying for a year and nothing was happening. And it was one of those things that was like, I knew it had been a year, but then I was like, well, we have been under like a lot of stress with stuff. So maybe that's, what's kind of contributing to it. Um, and I, I didn't go and seek out any type of help or advice or anything like that right away. Um, I just continued to let things play out the way that they were. Um, and then again, if anybody has heard podcasts anyway, they've, they, my husband, um, at that point in time was an active alcoholic and, um, he ended up going to rehab in November of 2017. And so that was definitely the main focus. We're not bringing a baby into the world with all of that going on. Um, so once he got out of rehab and once things were, um, he was doing a lot better and stuff like that. I was due for my annual, you know, womenly check appointment. Um, I believe it was in uh, February of 2018. And I had mentioned to that doctor that I had been, you know, we had been doing unprotected set, all this stuff and, and nothing had happened. And she was like, Ooh, well, that's been well over a year. You, you need to go see somebody. And when somebody says that to you, you, you do feel almost like, um, is there something wrong with me? Like, wh- why isn't this happening? Like, what, why are you telling me to go see somebody? Why, why aren't you telling me it's okay? You know, yeah. you, you almost leave feeling kind of bad. At least I did. Bless you, baby. Um, and but I, but I still, I was like, no, I'm, I'm still going to go ahead and take her advice. So, so we went to one Institute that's here, um, in, um, in Norfolk and spoke to them and they, you know, they were like, well, you're both, you know, relatively, you know, still younger. And, um, you know, uh, Sarah, you've had three children and you haven't had abortions. You haven't had miscarriages. So we're just going to start running some tests. Um, starting off with some blood tests and stuff like that, which all of those came back where it was like, I had maybe a slight case of like PCOS, like nothing that was off the charts big. Um, maybe, you know, a little bit of that or something. Um, and then they're like, okay, well now we need to, to look into more of like what's going on on the inside. So 
they set me up for a, this uh, dye test, which the dye test was going to be where they were going to um, inject dye into my uh, uterus and basically watch this dye go in through my um, fallopian tubes and see if it Maybe it's not in my uterus. It's somewhere and it spills back out. Okay. Yeah, that, that, I get to, to, where you're coming from. Yeah, it's it's thank somewhere you. in there. Yeah. It's somewhere in there. <laughs> um, ladies, number one, this this test is extremely important. Number two, I'm not gonna lie to you. That is the most painful goddamn test I think I've ever had in my life. Um, and so I, I'm just going to tell you, it's it's a necessary evil. Um, do not let them tell you some, it's going to be slight cramping. That is a lie. <laughs> um, do, do not do like I did where I was like, oh, I'm just going to go back to work. Um no, I immediately left the doctor's office. I, I did the test by myself. Um, big mistake. I probably shouldn't have driven home. I don't really rem- remember driving home because I was in a lot of pain. That's probably not, I shouldn't have admit that, you know, online, but I'm going to. Um, so that that's a big tip right there. It's a necessary evil. Take off the rest of the day um, and be expected for it to be not pleasant. Okay. Um, but with this test, um, it confirmed that uh, one of my fallopian tubes was 100% blocked. Uh-huh. Now, how long it had been blocked for, and it was my right side too, which they told me that was my dominant side. Um, whereas a lot of women do like you're supposed to on paper ovulate, you know, right side one month and the following month from the left side, then the right, right. and it switches back and forth. Well, that's not what I do. Apparently I ovulate like right side, right side, left side, right side, right side, right side, left side. Um, and again, that actually is more common than people think as well. Um, because after all, we're not all cookie cutter and we don't all follow the textbook. Right. right. So, um, I, my right side, 100% shut down. Do not know how long it had been like that for. Um, I have suspicions on my own that it possibly happened from an IUD that I had put in after I had my third son um, because I started having ovarian cysts uh, a couple weeks after I had that IUD put in and they would rupture all the time. Uh Um, And it would, and I was told that that could build up a lot of scar tissue. So that's my personal opinion. I don't have proof of that. I just can tell you that that's what I truly think possibly happen there. Um, but nonetheless, okay. So your right side is hundred percent blocked. So really anytime you're ovulating from your right side, there's, there's nothing that can be done because nothing's going to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have a surgery to try to clean that side of the tube out, but because it's 100% blocked, the chances of all of that scar tissue being removed, it's not the greatest. And also, um, you are going to end up possibly having, um, uh, 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 what is it called? A topical pregnancy. Yeah. So yeah, Where that it, was it like, happens in your tubes. Yeah, exactly. Very and dangerous. that actually can be life-threatening for yeah. the mother as well. Um, so, okay, we're not going to do that. Um, well, what are we going to do though? Because at this point in Virginia, um, you do not have to have insurance plans that cover any type of IVF treatment, which so I didn't. Stupid. Right. I didn't. And my husband didn't. So at this point, we're paying everything out of pocket. So this doctor um, in particular suggests possibly doing um, timed intercourse. Okay, so that means that I've got to take some 
some pills to plump up those eggs. And then I have to go in and see what size they are. And the doctor will say, today's the day that you're going to do the shot in your abdomen and you're going to force those eggs to drop. And you are going to have intercourse with your husband um, 12 hours later and then 24 hours uh, later after that shot. Okay, Gee, that fine. just takes the fun out of it, doesn't Let it? Let me tell you right now, that's where I was going with that. Do you want to talk about, I felt like a sixth grader again, like on, like, you know, going back to like, uh, you know, oh my gosh, do I have my first kiss or something? You, you want to talk about the most uncomfortable thing on the planet is someone telling you go home and have sex right now with your husband. That is the worst thing ever. And then to, and then of course, because my husband works at four o'clock in the morning, we're sitting there timing this stuff out and it's like, okay, well, 24 hours later, that's not going to, so we're going to have to do it before you get off work. So you're setting alarms at 3 a.m. to have sex. You want to, yeah, no kidding. Um, that did not work very well. (laughs) We did, we did two cycles of that. And on the third cycle, I had a complete and utter mental breakdown in the bathroom. I was hysterically crying. I said, I cannot do this. This is so stressful. Like it's, it's so awkward, Megan. Like I just can't even begin to tell you when someone is telling you timed sex and you're setting alarms, it's horrible. More pats off to the people that can do it. It was horrible for my relationship. It was so awkward. Okay. Um, so my husband is like, that's fine. We're backing up. We're going to do whatever you want to do. We're, take a break, whatever. I said, yeah, I just, I can't do this right now. I can't. Um, it is way too stressful. Uh, on top of it, you know, when you're taking these medicines too, they, they start to jack with your hormones and stuff yeah. at the same time. Okay. They, they will. Um, and on top of that, some of the meds that I was taking, they were also causing me to have some weight gain which oh, I am very sucks. self-conscious about my yeah. weight anyway. So on top of dealing with, you know, that two week wait, oh my God, did it work? Did it work? Did it work? And then finding out that it didn't work and then having to start these pills back over again, which is causing you to gain weight and feel bloated. And then uh, being given a worksheet on when to go home and have sex. Like it was just too much. So I yeah. said, pause, we're not doing this anymore. So we need to take a break. So that's what we did. We took a break. And, um, our anniversary was in May and, um, like many, you know, couples, uh, have intimacy <laughs> around their anniversary. Um, who knew? I, yeah. Right. <laughs> I end up finding out, um, that I am pregnant and it's like, oh my gosh, wait a minute. Uh, like a month later after stopping these meds and I got pregnant on my own. Holy cow. This is amazing. Right. We're on cloud nine. I'm crying. He's crying. We've been waiting years for this. Everything is wonderful. Amazing. Beautiful due date of February 9th, 2019. This is just awesome. So exciting. I call and I make my doctor's appointment. I was very close with my OBGYN at the time. She was so excited for us. Let's have you guys come in. This is wonderful. Wonderful. Everybody's doing good. We're all happy. I'm feeling like crap. Wonderful. I want to feel like crap, right? (laughs) 
The day that I'm traveling to the doctor's appointment, I am driving and my husband had already gotten there because he got took off work. I'm driving on the interstate and all of a sudden I just feel this horrible gush and I'm like, mm, that's, that doesn't feel good. So um, I pull over to the side and yes, I did ladies. I reached my hands down my pants and I came back up and I have blood all over my hands. Yeah. And um, I immediately, immediately just start bawling my eyes out um, because I, it was so much of it. I was like, this, this isn't just a little, you know, this is an implant bleeding. I've never had that. My sister has right. had it and she's told me about it. Um, and this is not it. Um, so I, I called my husband and I am boohoo crying and he's like, stop. You don't know what it is. It's okay. Calm down. I get to the doctor's office. I put a pad on. That's what they told me to do. But we still sit through the appointment of, you know, like just going over stuff where you would be delivering. And every single time I would cough or move, I would feel another wave of blood. And I knew it. I knew that this, I was losing the baby. So they were like, well, you know, your, your urine test says you're pregnant, but let's do a blood test on you just to see how far along you are. And we'll call you because, you know, we don't know what this is. Lots of women have like period type things on their, you know, uh, while they're pregnant. Don't, don't try not to freak out. But um, when I woke up the following morning, you know, all of those pre early symptoms that you have, you, you know, your boobs are hurting, your gag reflex is really sensitive. You don't feel that good. All of it was gone. And, um, and I knew it, I knew I had lost the baby and, um, they did. They called and they said, well, you know, you were pregnant, but it, the, the numbers are basically showing right now that you would have, you, you should have been six to seven weeks along, but your numbers are only showing you at three to four weeks along. So we need to do more. <laughs> Sorry about that. We need to no, do more don't blood apologize. <laughs> <laughs> One minute we're wanting a pacifier. Next minute we're wanting a boob. Um, oh. the, but we, um, so she's, we, uh, they told us to come back, you know, in two days to see if the numbers were, you know, decreasing or increasing. So I did. And sure enough, the numbers are decreasing. So that was my first miscarriage. And, um, it was devastating because it was something that we had wanted for so very long. And it was something that we had literally just been taking drugs and medicine for, and it wasn't working. And then for it to happen on its own naturally, and then to be on cloud nine and then literally have that rug like ripped out from underneath you, it was, it was devastating and it was heartbreaking. Um, so you know, I, I needed to have a little bit of time to recover, but at the same time, that miscarriage also for me was more of a realization of something really, something else is going on. This is beyond just a blocked fallopian tube. Right. There's just something else is not right. Um, and so, but I knew I, I called that doctor's office again and, you know, they were like, well, we could try doing IUI which IUI is when, uh, you do the same things that, um, it, you still take those drugs. They check your, they have you come in for ultrasounds and they check your, um, egg size, they measure them. And then what they do is they don't say, go home and have intercourse. What they say is they say, you're going to go home and you're going to take this shot. And 12 hours later, you're going to come back in here with your husband and your husband is basically going to ejaculate into a cup. 
we are going to wash that sperm and we are going to more or less take kind of like a giant turkey baster and we are going to insert that in you and then we are going to inject his sperm into you that way they don't have as far to travel okay so um there's that uh or we could go straight to ivf okay again i'm self-paying for this stuff and the um the costs of this are thousands upon thousands of dollars. Um, and I didn't have it and neither did my husband. And it's one of those things. It's like, you feel so bad because you're like, do I take out a bunch of loans and have all of these payments and start taking away from the children that are already here in hopes of having another one? Or do I like, what what am I supposed to do? You know, like I, you really are left like in serious debate. And that is, that is also another part of the IVF journey that is really mentally hard. It's hard and stressful and emotionally too, because you really just don't know which way to go with stuff. Um, and luckily for me, I had two friends that, um, I had gone to high school with that, that had openly talked about doing IVF. And so I reached out to them and I started asking them, you know, like, how in the world did you pay for this? Because I work in healthcare and dude, they don't even cover that anything. They don't even cover a shot for me to, to, for nothing. Those injections that I was paying were $200 a pop, you know, like they don't cover a lick of anything that has to do with IVF or infertility. And one of my friends told me, she said, well, my husband has awesome coverage through his job, but my sister-in-law who needed to do IVF, um, she got a job at Starbucks. Okay. Like for what? Like to help pay for it? Like I'm confused. No, no. Starbucks has a Starbucks offers. And I'm telling you this right now, people, this is fact. And I can tell you because I'm still a partner at Starbucks two and a half years later. Right. Starbucks offers health insurance as well as 401k, as well as, um, schooling for anybody that works 21 hours a week. Whoa. 21 hours a week. Uh, And you're telling me I get full medical coverage. And by the way, at least in the state of Virginia, where I am in the Hampton Roads area, they have four health insurance plans. And each one of those health insurance plans covers IVF. And it doesn't cover it at a low amount either. They cover it as of recently. Obviously, things can change, but as of recently, it was $25,000 in IVF coverage and then $10,000 in medication coverage. Wow. I was like, shut the front door. Are you serious? Good to know. So I live a mile from two different Starbucks. I told my husband, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to work at Starbucks. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this my second job. I will figure it out, but I am going to need extra help from you because clearly I'm going to have to work at least 21 hours a week to make sure that I get this insurance. And by the way, all of this kicks in 90 days after you've started. That's fast. Yeah, it is. 
So he's, are you sure you want to do this? Yes, I want to do this because I know that it is needed at this point. And this is the only way that this is going to happen. So went up and literally harassed a manager at Starbucks until she hired me. (laughs) (laughs) I had an on the spot interview and she was like, you're awesome. When can you start? Oh, so that's exactly, yeah. So that's exactly what I did. I, um, I started working at Starbucks, um, and worked there, uh, and got, got it so that I could uh, finally get the, you know, work there for the three months so that I qualified for the insurance, immediately signed up for the insurance, much like all insurance plans, you have to pay a month before, you know, you can actually start using right. it. So I was able to start using my health insurance through Starbucks in August of 2019. So at this point, the place that I had gone to Um, they, I had contacted them again and they had told me, they were like, well, even though you've got this box fallopian tube, we still think that maybe doing the IUI would be good for you. We need to try a couple rounds of that and then we'll go to IVF. And I, I just wasn't feeling it. I didn't like that answer. I wanted things done immediately. That was just me. I was like, I, you know, I don't want to have any more disappointments. I don't want to have to deal with any of that stuff anymore. So I contacted another IVF um, clinic here in Hampton Roads and set up an appointment. And um, she had us come in, talk to us, and she said, based on my testing that had been done, you know, a couple years before that, that the IUI wouldn't have made any sense because if I'm ovulating more for my right side, which is the block side, um, we're just kind of wasting time. Um, at this point we were going to need to do IVF, but she also needed to check my husband because we knew what was wrong with me, but is there anything wrong with him? Right. Um, because guess what, uh, ladies, IVF and infertility is not just on the women's side. Okay. Men can be infertile too. Um, and y'all can be incompatible. That's correct. And they checked my husband and sure enough, my husband's sperm morphology was not good. She was telling us that, um, the way that his sperm was shaped, uh, they are, they have a harder time breaking through that exterior, exterior, um, shell on my eggs. And that is more than likely why we have not been getting pregnant. And that's probably more than likely what resulted in the miscarriage is that the sperm might've made it in, but not all the way in kind of thing, uh, because the morphology was just really not good on his sperm. So there you go. Okay. Good. I have issues. He has issues. Um, I'm not going to lie and tell you that I did not feel a little bit of relief that it wasn't just me. Okay. Because that is a really hard pill to swallow. Doing IVF anyway is a really hard pill to swallow, but it, when, after all those tests are done and it's almost kind of like coming back where it's like, well, this is what's wrong with you. And this is what's wrong with you. You almost start feeling like guilty. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, like, I feel like I'm apologizing for something that I have zero control over. Um, but he, it, it did come back that there was stuff going on with him too. Um, 
And I did have a little bit of a sense of relief in that. Like it wasn't just me. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm just telling you the, the truth about it. I don't care if that sounds selfish or me. That's the God's it makes honest sense. truth. It makes sense. So right. you're not just blaming yourself. You're not like, this is, exactly. oh my God, this is my fault that I, I can't, exactly. that we haven't had a baby yet. Exactly. So, all right. So the new doctor decides this is what we're doing. We're moving forward with IVF. Awesome. That's what we're going to do. Um, and that's what we started doing. Uh, our IVF journey began with the meds taking, starting to be taken in September of 2019. Um, you are going to have a lot of pills. You are going to have a lot of injections. Um, when you are first looking at those sheets, when you're looking at any of that stuff, it can be extremely overwhelming. Like, how am I going to do this? Um, I will tell you right now, I gave myself my own shots every single time, whether it was in my abdomen, whether it was in my butt, I did it because that was my level of comfort. My husband did feel a little, um, I I don't know what the word to use. Um, I don't want to say insulted. Um, I think he left out. He felt a little left out because I did not have a level of comfort with him giving me shots. Uh, this is my body. I'm the one that's having to do this stuff. I want to be in control. And that's what I did. And, you know, for, for the ladies that say, I don't want to give myself shots. I want to let my partner do it. That is perfectly fine. But please on everything, if you do not feel comfortable with that, don't let somebody pressure you into stuff because you're the one that's going to have to be going through those highs and those lows. You're the one that's going to have to be going through the hormones, the bloating, the weight gain, the everything like that. And if you don't, you got to do what's best for you and what's comfortable for you. And I hope that for anybody that does this, they, you have to also have a very open and awesome dialogue of communication during this too, because it is stressful. It's stressful for them on a different level and it's stressful for you on a different level. And you have to be willing to be able to talk to each other and have some understanding. Um, you know, I just, like I said, at first he felt like a little like left out and slightly offended that I wasn't, that he wasn't able to take part in it that way. But I told him, I said, you have to understand this is my body. I, I want to be able to put in, you can't feel it. You don't feel what I feel. I, if I want to put the needle in slowly, then that's what I want to do. If I say, Nope, this is a bad spot. And I want to pull out of it. Then I can, I want to have that control. And, but I will say this, he stood there for every single one of my injections when I would do the injections in my butt, I would ice my ass before I would do that. Okay. <laughs> he was the one that was there holding the peas on my butt and I would do the injection and I would push it in. And then after I would push it in, I would tell him, I'd say, you can take it out. Okay. And you all need to do it at whatever level of comfort is good for you. There is no right or wrong way to do it. And you should not feel guilty with however you choose to do it. Um, I actually had one friend that did IVF and she, um, her husband 
the very first shot that he did, um, he screwed it up. I'm not going to tell you what happened because I'm not trying to traumatize anybody. But um, after that, she was like, no more. She couldn't do them herself. She called a neighbor over that is a nurse and her nurse neighbor did every single one of her shots for her. I mean, you just got to do what is best for you. Okay. Because this process is already mentally and emotionally draining enough. So do yourself a favor and don't add to it. Don't add layers that don't need to be added. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's a friendly tip from me to you. Um, so yes, there's going to be lots of pills. There's going to be lots of injections. Take it one day at a time. Take it one pill at a time. Take it one injection at a time. I promise you it, it's going to go faster than you think. Um, there's lots of blood work. There's lots of ultrasounds that are going to be involved. Um, when I went in on October 25th of 2019 to have my egg retrieval, um, I was able to produce, um, 10, um, eggs that were of, uh, decent size as well as, um, you know, what their standards are. Um, my husband, uh, was able to, uh, and, and your husband is going to ejaculate in a cup ladies, um, my advice is don't ask what they were watching or what they were thinking about <laughs> while they were doing it. Does it really matter at the end of the day? Okay. Right. Remember the layers of stress I was talking about? Don't even add to it. Okay. Um, I say that because I, I've actually, I had a friend that was like, no, I, I gave him naked pictures of me. I mean, Hey, if he used them and if you think that that's awesome, I do not ask. I have never felt the urge to ask my husband. So, uh, did you look at magazines that they provided or did you pull up a video on your phone? I don't care. Okay. I don't yeah. care. I don't want to know. Um, but that is exactly what's going to happen is your husband is going to do that. And no, you are not allowed to be in the room when that happens. Okay. Um, you are currently uh, under anesthesia having your eggs removed while that is going on, okay? So, um, again, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that after your egg retrieval that you're going to feel like a million bucks. You are very sore afterwards, okay? Um, I came out of the anesthesia and it it was very, it, it felt like a horrible, horrible period. Um, but it, it does not last for very long. Um, and that's that. I got the phone call 24 hours later saying that out of the 10 eggs that we had, eight of them had fertilized. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, and the, the overall, the, the turnaround process, at least at the fertility clinic that I used, um, because my brother and his wife, they, they had, they did a, um, five day transfer, meaning that, um, the eggs that they had fertilized on the fifth day, his wife went in and had one of those eggs immediately um, implanted in her. That is not what our fertility clinic did. Um, after the fifth day, we knew, and again, I'm going to tell you, you are going to receive a lot less eggs or embryos that are going to make it to the final stages. So if you hear, oh my God, I got 23 eggs and 18 of them fertilized. What are we going to do? There's not going to be that many that make it to the final stages. Okay. Um, so like I said, I had 10 eggs, eight fertilized by day five, we got the phone call from the, um, I believe they're called an embryologist. And she said, you have three, you all have three, um, 
embryos that have made it through the final stages that look good. Uh, two of them were better graded because they get grades. Two of them mm-hmm. were better, better graded. I believe that they were B plus B plus, um, or a minus B plus. It was something like that. And then the third one that we had was it had barely made it to the final stages, but again, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Okay. It just means that the way that they grade them kind of sort of determines whether or not they think it will have a better chance of um, implanting in your uterus and growing. It does not mean that that embryo that has the lower grade, that the chances of that baby having like Down syndrome or something like that, because that is not true. Um, that it, that has nothing to do with the grading, okay, of these embryos. Um So we had three embryos and again, my fertility clinic, the way that our doctor worked is she said that she has found more success when she allows the women to stop taking the medications and have a full period cycle to almost like quote unquote, clean out, you know, your uterus and everything about it, and then come back in a month later and have the transfer done. So that's what we did. So, um, I had my egg retrieval on October 25th and exactly a month later, um, we decided that we only wanted to transfer one of our three embryos. Um, and we did that on November 25th. Um, again, you are going to have to take a lot of medications and those medications and those shots and injections, it's progesterone and it's something else. It's basically tricking your body into already thinking that you're pregnant. Okay. Um, so yes, you already start feeling kind of crappy. Um, some people, their boobs start hurting and, you know, getting bigger and, uh, you know, you might start getting a little swollen and bloated in different areas. Um, having the embryo transferred, um, for my first one, my husband was able to be there because that was pre COVID. Um, And it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's kind of awesome that I have a picture of my very first embryo, like this tiny, tiny little pin drop looking, you know, dot in my uterus that that's our little embryo, like people that conceive naturally, they don't get those pictures, you know? Um, so that's kind of when that's a way that I always kind of made IVF kind of cool for myself is it's like, I have all of this documentation that other people don't have, you know? Um, and that's kind of fun. So I will say that you, I mean, they, they tell you after the implant, you're gonna, Oh, when you go in for the implant ladies, also, you're going to have to drink a crap ton of water because they want your bladder to be really swollen so that they can see everything that they're doing. I'm going to tell you right now, that is a whor- it, it, it does not feel good, um, to have to sit there and hold your pee and all that stuff. Uh, it sucks. Um, but that is the worst part of the process, but luckily, and hopefully if you all do it and your doctor will have a nice catheter waiting right there for you to drain your bladder as soon as it's done. (laughs) I had to actually do that in the hospital when I was having complications with my twins. Oh, really? Yeah. So they could see better. And it's Uh, it's like, that's the worst part, right? Yeah. Because it's full bladder and you're lying on your back and it's like, Oh my God, I'm going to pee all over you all. Yeah. We didn't want to do an internal one because of the things that were going on. So they were Uh like, yep. How about you start drinking some water? (laughs) Yeah. Right. And like lying on your back and all you're praying for is please don't make me sneeze or cough so that like all of a sudden, like 
you know, piss comes out of me and I have zero control of it because once it's going to start, it ain't going to stop, you know, right. (laughs) We're going to have to do the test all over again. No. Um, So that's the worst part. But, um, again, at least my doctor, she had a catheter in place ready on standby. So as soon as it was done, I literally like my bladder was being emptied like immediately. Um, and so, uh, in preparation for the implant, um, they do, at least my doctor did offer a, um, volume for me to take. And I took, I opted for it because I wanted to be as relaxed as I possibly could be. Um, and you know, again, this, this implant was pre COVID. It was nice to have my husband in there because after the implant, they want you to just lie still for, I think it's for like 30 minutes um, with your legs in the air. Um, and they've got, you know, they've got it on the bed or whatever you propped up like that, but it was nice to have somebody else in there. But my advice is, you know, obviously I don't know if things are going to go back to that at any time soon, but if anybody's getting ready to, to hit this, you know, situation or wall, um, and they have to do it by themselves, my suggestion would be, um, get your phone, you know, uh, Amazon music, iPad, whatever you have, get some music that you're like, that you genuinely like listening to. Uh, whatever, whatever is cool for you, you know, whatever relaxes you, uh, I'm sorry, right. if it's classical, cool. If it's corn, cool. Like, I mean, <laughs> whatever works, you know, whatever allows you to just kind of like, just kind of rest, relax and not put like all of this, like play the what if game in your head, you know, like what if this doesn't stick or what if this, or what if that, because you don't want to be stressed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like this is really important. And then the, that same day, as well as the following day, just take it easy. Um, and that's what I did. I just kind of like, I didn't do any heavy lifting with anything. I just kind of took it easy. I was having a nice, like, um, uh, slug day, if you will, like, you know, just lying on the couch, not really doing too much. Um, you know, your, your partner can definitely make dinner that night. Like it's okay. You know, it's, everything's going to be cool. Um, that two week, that two week, uh, window wait does suck. Um, because of course you are going to, at least I did. Um, and the other people that I've spoken to, you're going to feel cramping. Um, and you're almost like, you're almost like hyper aware to it because you're Mm -hmm. thinking, is that a cramp that is an implanting cramp? Or is that like a cramp? Like my period's getting ready to come cramp, you know? Um, oh my God, I'm not feeling good. Am I not feeling good because this embryo was implanting or am I not feeling good because I'm still taking these drugs, which are making my body think that it's pregnant. Um, that weight really sucks. And the best advice I can give again is take it day by day. Do not try not to focus in on all of those. It's sometimes it can be hard, but really I gave myself more activities to do. Um, and the activities, because it was in the, um, it was at the end of November, beginning of December, I had the distractions of Thanksgiving, uh, as well as my son's birthday, because my son's birthday, um, is November 29th. So I had that distraction as well. And I also made sure that I had lined up, um, a day in the beginning part of December for like all of us to like go and see a movie. So like it, these little distractions really did help with me not trying to me, not just sitting around for two weeks and 
over-focusing on every little twinge that I felt or every little, you know, anything that I felt. Um, so little distractions I think are good. Like, you know, it, it makes get a book that you've been wanting to read or, you know, um, puzzles or if you're into movies or TV shows, like give yourself something that you can look forward to um, and enjoy versus just thinking about what's going on inside your body. Um, because stress is horrible. You know, stress is horrible anyway, but then stress during a pregnant or thinking that you're pregnant, it makes it even worse. So, um, I went in and I had my blood drawn, uh, two weeks later, I think it was just shy of two weeks and, um, got the phone call the same day. You're pregnant. Yay. I'm pregnant, right? This is awesome. I have a due date of August 12th. 2020 super exciting um i'm like the way that the infertility clinics are is that they have you come in every other day to make sure that your levels are going up and then once you hit a certain number um that's when they start doing your ultrasounds um to make sure that everything's looking good so yep i'm in there every other day my numbers are progressing this is wonderful beautiful news awesome going there for my first ultrasound. I'm six weeks pregnant. Oh my gosh. Super exciting. Now I have to go in every week, just every week for my ultrasounds and also labs. I'm still taking my medications. Everything's going beautiful. Um, I do have horrible nausea with this pregnancy. Um, but Hey, you know what, this is what I wanted. I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to take it. Um, and the way that the infertility clinic was set up was unless you had to be there, meaning that you were super high risk, um, they let you go after 10 weeks. They let you, you know, go to a regular OB. Right. Um, if you're super high risk, they will keep you throughout your entire first trimester. But all of my ultrasounds, um, the baby was measuring perfect on time. All my levels were doing great. Wonderful. This is so exciting. And then at my 10 week appointment, they say, now look, we can offer you this blood test to find out what you're having. What? I can find out what I'm having like this early. Is this serious? Yes. And we can obviously tell too, if the, like we can run you for um, down syndrome and some other, um, you know, just really um, misfortunate things that, you know, happen along the way sometimes. And I was like, yeah, I, I forget what one of them was, but it's one of those. It's like the baby's like born without like certain limbs. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. So, um, okay, awesome. Let's do that blood test. Wonderful. So uh, when am I going to have the results? We're going to have the results for you in like seven to 10 business days. Oh my gosh. You're kidding me. I'm going to know what I'm having again. And two, I have ultrasound pictures all the way starting from week six of this little, you know, this, this little tiny human being, this is so awesome. Like I have an ultrasound picture from the, the minute this baby was implanted from six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 weeks. And now I get to find out what I'm having. This is so exciting. Um, my husband and I would go back and forth. Like, what do you think it is? What do you think it is? And my husband was convinced it was a girl. I was like, I don't know what it is. Uh, we, it was, we were so excited. And then, um, sure enough, I get the phone call and it's like, uh, we know what you're having. Do you want to know? Of course I want to know. Actually, what I did was, is I had my friend, my coworker, we, we shared an office. She was, I told her, I said, I'll put her on the phone and tell her what I'm having. Um, 
and and sh- that way we can, my husband and I can find out together what we're having because I don't want to find out first and have to tell him. Okay, awesome. Right. So I step out of the office and I put my friend on it, and uh, of course I made sure that everything else came back normal. Yeah, no no genetic issues or anything like that. Awesome. So I step out of the office and. I come back in a couple of minutes later. I'm like, so you know what I'm having? She's like, yeah, I know what you're having. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I see her with a piece of paper and she's putting it in an envelope. And I'm like, Trish, give me the damn envelope. I don't care. I want to know what I'm having. <laughs> so much for that whole entire waiting for your husband thing, right? So I open it up. I'm having a boy. Oh my God. This is going to be born boy number four in my household. Holy yeah. cow. But you know what? I, I was over the moon and literally my husband calls me like three minutes later and he's like, have you gotten the phone call yet? So I, I call him at work. He's out at the shipyard. He's not really supposed to answer his phone, but he does. And I'm like, I, I know what we're having. Oh my God. You know what we're having? I know what we're having, honey. Do you want to know? No, I don't want to know. Yes, I want to know. No, I don't. Yes, yes. Tell me what we're having. You're having a son, honey. And um, there was just complete silence. And he was just like, I can't believe it. I'm having a son. I'm like, you are having a son. We are so excited. This is awesome. Not only do we get our awesome summer baby, because I love summertime. This is, this is just great. We're having another little boy. This is so exciting. We are both over the moon happy. Both of my sisters are pregnant at the same time. And both of them are having boys. Like, it was just like, you got to be kidding me. This is so cool, right? One of my sisters is due at the end of January. The other one is due in May. And now I'm doing August. All of us are having boys. How freaking cool is this? So schedule our appointment at, at the regular doctor's office. and um. They're like, we're going to have you come in. Um, r- literally, I was two days before I was 15 weeks pregnant. We're going to have you come in. And um, they did tell me, they were like, you know, your your weight is a little bit up. So we're going to just because of protocol, we're going to go ahead and we're going to do that gestational diabetes test on you. Um, okay, no problem. Um, and we're looking at the calendar and the, the nurse that's there is like, oh my gosh, we have an opening on Valentine's Day. How awesome would that be for you guys to come in on Valentine's Day, see your little guy and, you know, do your little glucose test. But then afterwards, you guys could go on like a little date or something. Uh, yes, yeah. This is a, right. How I got my bipolar that? diagnosis on Valentine's Day. Did you really? Okay. <laughs> So it's like, awesome. This is what we're going to do. This is going to be the best thing ever. Um, And we decided that we were going to go ahead. Once we got past that first trimester, we were going to go ahead and make it known that we publicly, that we were having a little boy. Um, Everybody was so excited. It was just uh, like, there was, there was nothing bad that, you know, everything was just beautiful. Valentine's day. I go to work. I'm like, you know, I'm going to be going to my appointment. So I made sure that I ate that morning, but didn't, you know, eat the rest of the day. Um, and yay, I'm, I'm going, this is awesome. I'm, my husband's texting me. I can't wait to see our little guy. We already had a name picked out for him. Um, his name's Cole Thomas. This is beautiful. We're going to go with, this is where we're going to, we're going to go and have our dinner, um, down at the oceanfront, which is where we've had like all of our anniversary dinners. This is so exciting. Right. Um, so 
my glucose test was supposed to be first, but they were, the lab was running behind. So the um, ultrasound tech was like, I'm just going to go ahead and grab you first to go ahead and do the measurements before you have to drink the drink. It, it, we're just going to do this. So that way you guys aren't sitting out there and just, you know, wasting time kind of thing. Right. Cool. I appreciate that. Awesome. My husband and I go back there lift up my stomach. We're having a boy. This is boy number four. Yeah. We can go see little Cole. This is so exciting. Ultrasound tech goes and puts the, the little, um, you know, gel and then the scanner on my stomach and I see her, she lifts it back up and she slams it on my stomach. She lifts it back up and says, I'm so sorry. He's there's no heartbeat. He's gone. (laughs) I literally lost my shit. You have got to be kidding me. I am, I am supposed to be in the quote unquote safe stage now, right? right? I'm four months. Uh, all of my other ultrasounds were, he was perfect. What are you talking about? I have never had any blood. I've never had any type of cramping. Are you serious? Like what is going on right now. Um, to say that I was hysterical would be an understatement. I don't even know the ruckus that I was causing in that room. I know that numerous people came flying in there. Um, and they escorted me to an exam room that was all the way in the back, probably because tons of pregnant women just heard a woman just screaming, sobbing. Right. Um, and my husband, of course, is right next to me, just he's bawling his eyes out right alongside me. And I'm going to tell you right now, my, I've seen my husband cry twice in my entire life. That was the third time. Um, and uh, that was a really, really difficult. That was a really, really hard day. And um, I kind of hate Valentine's Day now. I'm not going to yeah. lie to you. Um, you I kind of hate that date. <laughs> That date is, um, that date sucks. Um, and actually after that happened on that date, I vowed that I would never make important, um, any important appointments on dates that have some type of meaning behind them. Okay. (laughs) I made it a point to do that. Um, because I wasn't going to have any bad news, like taint a certain date. Okay. Not that I was like this giant fan of Valentine's day anyway, but still when everybody's, you know, over Valentine's day, I'm like, yeah, say that I found out I lost my son, you know, like, I mean, that's always going to be there. That's never going to go away. Um, so we, we were taken back to the room and you know, I was offered to either let my body naturally get rid of him or, have, I couldn't have a D and C at this point because I was too far along. I had to have a D and E, which I guess is kind of the same thing, but it's a little bit more, they, they, they have to, I don't know if it's like, I don't want to use, I sucking out more or something. I'm, I'm not really sure, but it's more invasive. Okay. That then that's maybe what it is because it wasn't a D and C it was a D and E that I ended up having needing to have. And Valentine's day happened to be on a Friday this, that year. And, um, I couldn't have my procedure done until Monday. So I had to go this entire weekend knowing that I had my deceased son in me. And I'm going to tell you that really sucked. Um, that really, really sucked. 
I will tell you that um, my husband was awesome. I will tell you that my boys were amazing. Um, all three of them. Uh, they were constantly coming and checking on me. They did not want me to that, you know, I could literally be standing there drinking some water in the kitchen and then just start bawling my eyes out. And it was never like, what's your problem? Like it was just immediately, you know, they would run and go get me, you know, some tissues and it's, it's going to be okay, mom. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Um, so, uh, went in and had the DNA done. Um, woke up from the DNA crying. Um, the hospital was awesome. They immediately went and got my husband. Um, when I woke up just crying, that, that wasn't, I was in the holding area and that's, I guess where people aren't supposed to be, but they, they knew the situation and they were like, just, just go get him. Um, and you know, it was a day at the hospital and that was that. And, um, well, I, I'm going to cut in here just real quick, Sarah, what a lot of women listening may not realize is in some states, you would have had to carry that baby. Oh yeah. Until, until, until my body naturally, that's exactly yep. right. And, and it could be, who knows how long. And I'm yep. going to tell you that, that is, that is mental and emotional abuse. Like no other, mm-hmm. when you know that you are no longer carrying a viable human and my stomach was already sticking out. Like Mm -hmm. I, that weekend, I was wearing as baggy of clothes as I could because I could not even fathom if someone stopped and asked me how far along I was, I would have lost it. Um, and that is just that, that's, that is a horrible thing. And that's a, that's a topic, Megan, that you and I agree 1050% on, you know, um, with the, how dare you try to tell somebody what they can and can't do with their body? You know, that, that's just, yeah. uh, that's not okay. Um, and that is, if I, I cannot even imagine if someone said, well, Ms. Soberg, you're going to have to hold him until you start bleeding. And then once your body does that, you're going to have to go to the ER. And then and I cannot even begin. I w- I don't, I don't even want to think about what I would have done. I, yeah. I just know that that weekend alone was one of the longest weekends I've ever lived. And it was horrible. It was horrible. Um, so luckily for me, I was able to, to have, to have the choice of having that procedure, which I chose to do. Um, but afterwards I, I immediately told my husband, I said, listen, I, I cannot give myself too much time to stop and think about this process, we have to do this again immediately. Because if I give myself too much time to sit there and I'm going to start playing the what if game, and then I'm going to be too scared to do this again. So we need to just do it. Okay. Um, and we immediately went back and saw the, the IVF doctor and she was like, we can try again as soon as you want to try it. Awesome. I want to do it now. Good. You call me as soon as you have that first period after having that. Awesome. That's what I'm going to do. That's exactly what I did. We are setting your implant, your new implant up for August. I mean, I'm not August, April 20th, 420. (laughs) 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 Like I'm going to be with my legs up in the air, getting an embryo implanted while everybody else is getting high. Awesome. Maybe that's a good sign. I don't know. So start up with the IV drugs all over again. 
this time it was, uh, you know, I, it was routine. I already knew what I was going to be doing. I already knew what to expect. My IVF doctor told me, she said, um, I do want to run some tests on you though, because it does not make sense as to what happened. Like I know random things can happen, but everything was just moving along so beautifully and perfectly. So, um, we start running all of these tests and all of them negative, 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 nothing's coming up. She said, I want to try to run one more test on you, but your insurance isn't going to cover it. What is it? Well, it's called a factor five test. Factor five means that you, Um, if you have a positive factor five, you are more likely to develop blood clots and they can come at any point in time. Um, there, if you're on birth control, um, you have a way higher chance of having them. So people with positive factor five aren't allowed to take hormonal birth control. Um, but you are more likely to develop blood clots, but your insurance isn't going to pay for this test. And I'm like, well, how much is the test? Like $450. Good Lord. I don't want to pay $450. So I'm going back and forth with my husband and I I got really close with one of the IVF nurses there and I was texting her and I was like, you know, do I really do it? Do I not do it? And she said to me, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. But is it, is having that peace of mind better than possibly going through what you just went through? Right. And as soon as she said that to me, I was like, you know what? $450. Here you go. Here's the test. Sure as shit. Two days before I had that implant, Sarah, your factor five came back positive. You have it. So now you are on baby aspirin and Lovenox injections for the entire pregnancy, because we don't know now if you lost your son due to a potential blood clot that developed in your uterus. Right. Wow. Okay. So now I'm now on top of all of these other drugs and stuff. Now I get to be on blood thinners, <laughs> Lovenox. Now I get to be extra safe and uh, Hey, another expense. It is what it is. Right. So go in for my second implant. We are in the midst of the beginning stages of COVID because COVID, I believe, was what was it like uh, beginning mid-March or something or mid Yeah, that's when things started shutting down. Yeah. Yeah. They, they believe it was like the first positive case they, they actually documented was in February, okay, um, but they okay. think it was here like uh, several months before that. Right. Right. Because I remember reading that because people were saying that they thought that they had the flu during like Christmas time and stuff, but that, yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. uh, that, okay. So like mid in March is when stuff started shutting down yep. and I am scheduled to have this implant and I'm like going day by day, like, Oh my God, is, is this going to be shut down? Is this going to be postponed? I don't want it to be postponed because if it gets postponed, I'm going to start thinking about what happened with my son. And then I'm not going to want to do this. Like I have to just go ahead and, you know, put like, just do it, you know? Right. Um, and my doctor's office never, ever shut down. They were very, oh, very good. careful and they were very safe. And I have some people that still are like, I can't believe that you did that in the midst of a pandemic. Well, you know what, again, that you're not, you, I don't live and nobody should live for everybody or what everybody else thinks, because you're never going to make everybody happy. You got to do right. what's best for you. Okay. Um, and that was what was best for me, because I can tell you right now, the way that I know my mind works, if I had said, well, let's cancel it and just wait until a lot of these things are lifted and all this stuff. 
I, I don't know if I would have done it because I would have said, I don't, I, I can't fathom going through another loss. And I, I, I can't, we're just going to have these three boys and Hey, if we get pregnant again, we do. And that that's just that I, I don't know if I would have done it. So, and it hasn't head stopped. Downs. We're still no, in a pandemic. Hasn't. So that's you exactly <laughs> right. So that's exactly right. Um, so I head down, went for it. Um, I did have to do it by myself this time. My husband stayed in the car. Um, and I was able to FaceTime him when we had our second embryo implanted. And, um, they did ask me if I wanted to have both embryos implanted at the same time. Um, because that was kind of what our original plan was. Our original plan was as if that first embryo took that we would have gone back a year later and had the other two put in at the same time. I know that that increases the chances of twins, but Hey, I'm, like I said, I already have a nut house. Might as well just keep adding to it, right? You know what I mean? Come on, add to the chaos. Right. Um, so we, I said, no, I don't want to do that because I just, I just had like a gut instinct saying, no, don't do that. We're just going to do the one, um, the one that was the other really good grade. Um, and we're going to leave another embryo there um, just in case something happens or what have you. Okay. So I have to do the implant by myself, but again, I already knew what to expect. So that was, that was at least there was some comfort there knowing what I was going to be getting myself into and that I wasn't doing this for the first time by myself. Right. Um, but my husband waited in the car and, um, had the implant and kind of did the same exact thing that I did before went home, chilled that day. Um, the next day chilled, um, I'm going to tell you right now on day three, I already knew that I was pregnant. I knew it because my, um, I was all over the place. I literally could be happy one second. And then I was screaming my head off the next second. Um, I, I knew it. I was like, I, there's no doubt in my mind that this one worked. Um, after and, you've had uh, a couple kids, you kind of, yeah. Know. Right. And, um, <laughs> and sure enough, like I, they, they tell you don't take a home pregnancy test. Um, I think I did on day five and that thing lit up like a Christmas tree, like within like <laughs> 10 seconds. If that I was like, oh yeah, I knew it. I knew it. Um, and, uh, this pregnancy was definitely different. I felt so different. Um, it was, it was, it, but it was different, like hormonal different. I just, uh, I, I literally cried. I couldn't tell you how many times a day. Um, I would be perfectly fine one minute and then I could be, um, very sad or very angry the next minute. I just was all over the place. It was, it, and honestly, that was in itself was stressful because I wasn't used to having my emotions and my mental state so out of control. Um, and then of course, on top of that, every day I'm, I'm dealing with a, you know, I had had a miscarriage before, but then I also lost my son at four months. And so that, that was stressful to constantly be thinking about also like, right. well, what if it, you know, and Again, anytime that I would feel anything that I felt <clears throat> like was like a gush or something, I was immediately running to the bathroom. Is that blood? Oh my God, please don't tell me that that's blood. And it wasn't, but that is what happens to your mind when you have previous losses or you have struggled to get pregnant, anything like that, you hold on to it. And it adds to such an extra layer of, you know, of, of 
stress and it's, it's really hard. Um, and it's also really hard for your partner. That's not going through it. Like they, they can, I think that they can empathize with you, but they don't fully understand it because, you know, this is your body. This is what you're feeling. This is, you know, all of these things are going on. And, um, I stayed at the IVF clinic for the full, uh, first trimester and, um, everything was doing great. And then on um, my last appointment there, they were like, we, we, I had that blood test done again to find out the gender, but also to make sure everything was good. Everything's good. Do you want to know the gender? Yeah, I do want to know the gender you're having a girl. Yeah. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <clears throat> like, oh my gosh. Um, and I found out the day after father's day that year, um, last year that it was a girl. So, um, uh, I made sure that I told my husband in a very fun way. We, myself and the, my boys, we went and we got him a whole bunch of belated father's day stuff that was all girl themed. And then, uh, we put it in a little card with the ultrasound picture that said, you know, you're having a girl. And, um, this man's face dropped. Like he didn't even know what to think. He was like, Oh, are you serious right now? (laughs) Like, I don't know what he was thinking. Um, I think that scared the hell out of him, but after two weeks, he was all about it. But for those first two weeks, (laughs) I think he was scared to death, (laughs) but, um, I went in uh, and I also ended up going to a high risk um, OBGYN. Um, that's what the um, IVF doctor wanted me to do. Uh, that's yeah. what I wanted to do. I wanted to be heavily monitored. Um, and to say that I was heavily monitored is an understatement because uh, my pregnancy was, we went out with a bang. It was the most high risk pregnancy I have ever had. When I was 18 weeks pregnant, they did my scan and my daughter was measuring three weeks behind. Um, they didn't know why they were, they weren't sure if it was genetic. I had testing done. Everything came back fine. Uh, gen, uh, testing wise. Um, they saw on an ultrasound, they said that my placenta looked small. So they were thinking maybe that was a factor in it. I also had horrible gestational diabetes starting at week 19 and I was on short acting as well as long acting insulin for, um, I was told by numerous doctors, um, the first, one of them had said, you know, the chances of her making it here are not very good because she has something called, um, IUGR. Um, and it was severe IUGR. She was always measuring in the less than one percentile than what she was supposed to. Um, they were telling me that the chances of her making it are not very good. Um, if I wanted to, they they had me down for coming in for ultrasounds every week, one week, it would be to do an echo on her heart to make sure everything looked okay there. And then the next week it was to do a, um, to check her weight and to see her growth. Um, so I was at the high risk doctor every single week doing ultrasounds. Um, the one, one of the doctors had said to me, you know, do you, if you don't want to come in for the appointments anymore, um, that's fine. You know, you don't have to, um, we can just kind of see how things play out. Um, you need to be mentally prepared and emotionally prepared to come in for an ultrasound and not see anything or that, that she has stopped growing or that, you know, the heart is stopped. Um, and to hear that stuff again was almost just like, this is just, this is a nightmare, right? Like 
Why is this so hard? Why was I able to have three children with this horrible monster, you know, of a human being? People need to listen to your episode if they want to know what a horrible monster he Um, was. He's a horrible, yeah, he is. Um, He needs serious help. And, you know, I hope one day he gets it. But um, why am I able to have three kids with this person? Um, And this, this one person that has stepped up and been this amazing father to these three boys and has never made them feel like anything less than his own children. Um, I can't get, I can't have a baby with it. Like, why is this happening? You know, what the hell? Um, but I trusted my gut instinct and I said, no, I'm coming to every single one of these appointments. And I'm going to, I made myself take things day by day. I'm pregnant today. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to be pregnant tomorrow, but I'm pregnant today. And that's what I'm going to focus on is that I am pregnant today. And I started going in there and having those um, stress tests done. I had to have those done twice a week. Um, And she passed, would pass every single one of them with flying colors And every single time that I would go in there for one of the um, echoes, nothing ever came back that was questionable about her heart. Nothing ever came back. Like uh, when they do these scans, man, I'm telling you, like they are looking in their brain. They are looking everywhere to see if they can find any. Well, uh, yeah, you had twins. Yeah, I was high risk. yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and like every single one of those ultrasounds, it was like, holding your breath, like, please, God, please do not please. And it was just like, and every single one of the, every other week, it was like, she's gaining more weight. She's just doing it slower, but she's still gaining. She's still gaining. So finally, when I got, when the ultrasound came back as her being at one pound, which I believe I was at like 24 or 25 weeks, the doctor was like, we need you to go get steroid shots because at least now with her being a pound, if we have to take her, she can survive. But we want to yep. get that lung development up and we want to get all of those things. So I went and I had the steroid shots done, which is again in your booty. But hey, I'd already been doing those progesterone injections in my booty. Right. So hey, no problem. You're a champ right? at that That's point. That's right. I had a bullseye right on my butt right there. Just do it. Right. Um, so went and had the steroid shots done. The doctor told me he was like, there's no way you're making it to 30 weeks. I was like, okay. So I would be 30 weeks. I think it was on like Halloween. So I'm telling my husband, I'm like, well, it looks like we're having an October baby. Awesome. As if we don't already have enough October birthdays in our family. My <laughs> husband and I are both October too. I'm we're like, bring August it on here. Yeah. All, okay. So you guys are of us. Yeah. <laughs> so you're flown down with August. We are, we are uh, just in our eyeballs up to our eyeballs in October birthdays and anniversaries. So I'm like, Hey, bring it on. Whatever. Again, I took everything day by day, mm-hmm. um, made it out of the month of October. Okay. Hey, when we're at 30 weeks, right? Our last preemie baby. Yeah. That's right. Doctor tells me again, there's, there's no way you're making it past 34 weeks. You're going to have a baby. You're going to have this baby this month in November. So we're, my babies were born at 34 and a half weeks. Okay. Okay. So I'm like, okay. So we, we started trying to make the best out of, uh, 
semi-tragic situation, right? Right. So like I would come back and I'd be like, all right, we're in November. He says I'm not making it past 34 weeks. So everybody needs to start guessing a date in November that they think the baby is going to be born on. And I already have a son that's in November. He, you know, Mike's like, well, I don't really want to share a birthday with her, but if I have to, I will. Okay. All right. So Mikey's going to throw in his birthday, November 29th. I got you. Let's anybody else want to take some bets or guesses? Like, okay. And with every single day, it would be like, Hey, Josh, you guessed November 12th. We're in November 13th. Do you want to pick another day or like a, yeah, every, every single time. And I'm in that doctor's office three times a week. And every single time they're like, all right, Miss Silver, we'll see you. We'll see you on Friday. All right. We'll see you on Monday. I make it to 34 weeks. The doctor's like, I legit cannot believe that you've already made it this far. Right. Well, I have. We're just going to take it week by week right now. Awesome. So at 36 weeks, I go in there and they're like, so at 37 weeks, you are considered full term. Right. We are going to take the baby because your placenta, the last thing we want right now is for your placenta to crap out. Yeah. Because this is when the baby's going to start putting serious stress on your placenta, because this is the time that they start bulking up. Right. Yep. And your placenta already, we already know that your placenta is small and we already know that she's measuring small right now on ultrasound. She is measuring at four pounds. Okay. And you're 36 weeks. So we already know that we got a small baby and we do not want your placenta to just end up crapping out and giving out and, and then we have a really, tra- really tragic situation. So you are going to be induced at exactly 37 weeks on December 16th. Cool. Awesome. Every single one of my ultrasounds that I had been going to for the past six weeks, my daughter had been head down. I roll up in there at 2 a.m. at the hospital. That's right. Check-in time was 2 a.m. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, go in, they do the ultrasound. She has flipped. She is transverse. She's lying across on your stomach. Well, of course she has. So we're going to want you to lie down on your side and we'll come back in an hour to check to see if she's flipped again. Okay, cool. They check again. Well, sure enough, she flipped again. She's now head up. We're going to do a C-section on you. Fine. I don't care. Whatever. At this point, I don't care. Do whatever you have to do. Get all prepped up for my Mm C-section. Go in. Have my C. I'd never had a C section before. I, I had, had three two. of them. They oh my gosh. Rough. <laughs> two out of three of my children born naturally. Okay. So I, the C section thing was, and I, and I had it in my head too. I'm having this little baby naturally. You know what? That's just not the way that it was supposed to be. And I'm thinking, this is just crazy because she'd been head down, right? I'm telling you though, things happen for a reason. Yeah. Um, and she's born. She's born head down. I'm like, of course she is. Of course she went head down when she's going to be born. Um, They take her over and they weigh her. She is three pounds and 14.8 ounces. Okay. But she's looking perfect. She's looking good. She's, she's a little cutie. Um, I barely got to see her. I got to give her a quick little kiss and then they hauled her on to the specialty nursery. I wasn't sure. They weren't sure if she was going to have to go to the um, children's hospital or if she could stay in the specialty nursery. But um, other than her weight, everything else that she was breathing great, no problems, no issues. So she got to stay in the specialty nursery. Right. And it was only the specialty nursery. That was only one step 
away from oh, the we regular were baby nursery. One. <laughs> no, we were on level two. So oh, wow. we were on level two. Yeah. So, okay. Awesome. I'm coming, I'm, I'm in recovery from my C-section and my husband's sitting in there with me and you know, you're, I'm kind of out of it, whatever. And the doctors come in and they tell me, they're like, um, so we now know why your daughter was so small. Okay. We, on all of the ultrasounds that you've had done, and you've been having ultrasounds since you were 18 weeks pregnant, right? Right. No one ever saw this. And it's a good thing nobody ever saw this because if they did, they would have taken her as soon as she hit a pound. Your placenta split in half. Oh, shit. It was being held together by a couple of veins. And one part of her umbilical cord was in one section of the split. And the other part of her umbilical cord was in the other section of your placenta. And if at any point in time, those veins would have broken. If either one of those sides would have said, I can't take this stress and shut down. She would not be here right now on paper. My daughter should not be here on paper. And that in itself is, she is the definition of a miracle baby. And I tell you the whole entire thing of it to wrap up the IVF part because When you are ready to give up, don't. You have to have hope and you have to have faith. You have to. Um, And, you know, if you, if, when you think that you're done or if this is something that, or if you really, if you are done and you know you're done and you don't want to continue on with it then that's fine. You have every right to do that. But if there is still like that little inkling in you, that's like just telling you, just like I had when that doctor was telling me, you know, the chances of her making it here kind of slim to none. And if you want us to just, if you don't want to bother with the appointments anymore, because I know that that's really stressful for you. And I know that's taking a lot away from your family now. Like we don't have to do these appointments anymore. And if you come in and you know, she's not here anymore, we'll take care of it at that point. And, but there was something in my head though, that was like, no, no, that's not what we're doing. And just like the doctor, she's not making it to 30 weeks. She's not making it to 34 weeks. My daughter made it to 37 weeks. Okay. You are the only one that knows your body the best you are the only one that has another level of like, I don't want to call it like a sixth sense, but in a way it is, you know, you are the only one that internally can quote unquote tell when, when it's time to stop or when it's time to keep going or when it's time to, you know, whatever the case is for you. And listen to it because that is, that is a, to me, that's almost just kind of like another like subconscious level that I think that, that people possess and, um, we have. And I think that too many times people discredit or they don't listen to it, but stay true to yourself on that. And, um, you know, 
if other, if other people around you are like, you know, it's not meant to be or what have you, but you still have that, do not, do not shut, do not listen to that. You know, you, you got to do what's, what, what is best for you and what your body is telling you. Um, and I have my daughter here today. You know, she's, that's who we've been hearing this whole time. That's who you be hearing. (laughs) That's exactly who you're hearing. Um, and she, she had to stay in the specialty nursery for 10 days. And it was literally because she had to be four pounds to come home. And she came home the day after. There's no smaller car seat. You figured that out when my twins were in the NICU. (laughs) (laughs) She came home the day after Christmas and she weighed four pounds, 0.7 ounces. That is how much my daughter weighed. She preemie clothes swallowed her. She yeah. looked like a human sized baby doll and she is what she'll be eight pounds. I mean, not eight pounds. She'll be eight months next week. And she is, um, now almost 14 pounds and she is standing up on her own and she has hit every, there has been nothing that has been, you know, um, backwards or slow growth, nothing. That was Um, our Audrina. She was four pounds, three ounces. If she had lost any more weight, they would have said, nope, she's not going home. Yep, exactly. Just tiny. And uh, she's still in size one diapers and she still wears zero to three month clothing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She is, she is just perfect. And, um, uh, that is, you know, the IVF is so mentally, emotionally hard, but if you still have that little voice is telling you just stick with it, just listen to it. And I also have to say, you know, during this process too, I actually had to shut out some of my family members because mm-hmm. they were not being supportive. And during this process, you have to surround yourself with people that are going to support you. I don't care if it is strangers. When I heard that my daughter was not going to make it to 30 weeks, I did not know anybody that had had preemie babies or hardly anybody. I immediately went onto a Facebook group that was, that was a, um, I think it was like buy nothing or something like that. I can't remember which Facebook group it was, but I immediately went onto a Facebook group and I said, I just got told that I'm going to have my, this is a situation. My daughter has severe IUGR. I just got told she's not going to make it to 30 weeks. She just measured out at a pound. What do I, can someone that has had to deal with the NICU situation, somebody yeah. that's had to do with this, can please people, please tell me what I need. That's to a micro I don't preemie. Know. That's Dude, what they call micro preemies. My, yes, my DM blew up. Wow. These are women that I do not know that are reaching out to me and offering me, what do you need help with? We will start a meal train for you. I have preemie clothes for you. I have special things here. This is what you're going to need. This is what's going to happen. This is what you're going to expect. I had two nurses that used to work in the um, children's hospital come to my house and talk to me. Wow. To tell me what I was going to expect. These are total strangers, but that is a support that I found because I was lacking support with certain people 
during this entire process. And I remember how I talked about the layers of unnecessary stress that you add to yourself, dude, get rid of it. You don't need it right then and there. And it doesn't, you have to do what's best for you. And if it means that you have family members that are, we don't believe in IVF or that that's a science baby. That's not natural. Oh blah, my blah, God. Blah, that's blah. so gross. Dude. Why would you, they But say they're that? out there. They Jesus are out Christ. there. It is. It's gross. It's gross because my thing is, is so do you say the same thing for somebody that's going to go through chemo for, to help with their cancer? Because that's science. Well, there right? are people out there that would, they'd be like, it's God's will. And Right. Jesus sure. Christ. I guess. I guess. If oh, you, no, you I know, can't with those people. I tell you, I, Sarah, know, I lose I my know. mind, but they are out there. And I'm telling you, I had had, I had overheard that certain coworkers had said things as far as Jesus. if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be you, you do and do not surround yourself with people like that because they will make you second guess things. They will make you feel in a weird way. I want to say the word guilty, but it's not guilty, but it's like, it makes you almost, yeah, there you go. Like very shameful. And it's so wrong. The IVF is so stinking common. I cannot even begin to, but, but people don't know. It's almost like miscarriages because no one wants to talk about it. Because there's some level of embarrassment or shame or like self-hatred in it. And that is, it's so sad because if, if we could take those stigmas off of it and make it so much more comfortable to talk about, there would be so much more knowledge and understanding. That's why I even throw the Starbucks thing out there. I had no idea. And I'm telling you, I have personal, I can tell you, I spent probably a total of $3,500 on the whole IVF process. If I was paying out of pocket, it would have been in the upwards of twenty-five dollars to $30,000 because I went and worked at a company and got insurance working 21 hours a week. And by the way, I love my job at Starbucks and I still have my job at Starbucks because it is such a fun job to have. Um, but uh, that is You know, we have to start taking stigmas off of stuff like this. We have to open up the doors of communication because so many people out there are going through these things, but they're so embarrassed or shamed to say something or worried about being judged. Do not, you can find comfort, reassurance, and support to complete strangers. I promise you. So get yourself on, if you're, if you're going through those things, get yourself onto some type of a support group, because I promise you that they're out there and these are people that have gone through it. And it doesn't matter if you personally know them or not, those people are in your corner and they are there to talk about stuff. Even if it's, I have a question. Was this shot supposed to hurt this much? Yeah, it's supposed to hurt. It's going to burn going in. You're good. Don't worry about it. They are there for you. And I am here for anybody that is going through IVF miscarriage issues because I've been there and granted, I might not be going through the, having the same exact emotions as you, because obviously we're each different, but I'm sure that we can relate. 
Yeah. And I, and I can, I can be someone that you can talk to or vent to or cry to or get pissed off or, you know, God darn it. That, that procedure hurt. Like I can, I can do that for you. And there's other people out there that can do that for you too. We just have to start talking about it and making it okay and making it not so unnatural. There are so many people out there that are doing IVF that just don't want to talk about it, but I'm opening up my experience, my losses, what happened to me, the reason I had to go through IVF, because if it helps to change one person or if it helps to open the door or make somebody, you know, then I feel like I've, I've done my part in this process and I hope that I can continue to do that. And I open and welcome anybody to always send me emails or private messages or anything, because I'm not here to judge you. I am here to do nothing but offer up help and support that I received during my really hard times. Well, I will link your email up in the show notes for anybody who wants to reach out. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on and sharing and also saving my ask. <laughs> I was like, Sarah, uh, do you want to schedule that interview like this week? Because I just realized I'm going on vacation and I don't have enough episodes ready to go. <laughs> You are totally fine. And I'm sure once again, I probably went over a little bit on you. I'm sorry. I just want people to know that this shit is real. And you know, you are not alone. You are not alone. Yeah. You are not in a unique situation. Well, (laughs) thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Of course. Of course. Thank you. Have a wonderful and safe trip. And as always, I love talking to you. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.